0: Today, come on, you got out of bed this morning. I tell you what, I don't know who did the program around here, but it was really smart to put the news between me and that song because there's no way I was following that. Wow, she did a great job, didn't she? Um, thank you, Aaron, that was good. Uh, you guys are here on Easter, so thank you guys so much for being here. Um, again, my name is Adam Harold. secret for uh, like leadership. And every year like we, we rack our brains around what we can do to get you to come back next week. <laughs> like we want you to come back next week. I'm, I'm just gonna put it out there. <laughs> the fact of the matter is most of you won't, right? So we want we really, really want you to come back next week. And so uh, there's a lot of like what you do on Easter. Do you start a series, do you end a series and this or that, and, and one of the things that we've done this year to get you to come back uh, next week and the week after. Next week, we're having a very special speaker that's uh, a missionary to um, an area of the country. It's called uh, well, it's called the 1040 window. But um, he he just texted me this morning that one of their churches in Sri Lanka was bombed this morning. So, like, that's the type of ministry that he's that he's got going on, and so. We want you to come back to hear Luke next week, but um, beyond that, we've are we we've put together a little survey, uh, because I want to give the people what they want, right? Like, I want to give, you want a pastor that gives the people what they want, so uh, we've put together a survey of some things that, like, what you want to hear, what you want to know about, and uh, we just ask everyone, 100% of the people here this morning, to fill that out, and we're gonna uh, collect them at the end, put them in the in the basket, and uh, we're not gonna th- take any more offering. Don't don't worry about it. We're not taking any more money. All right, you guys can laugh. It's okay. It's okay to laugh. We we want you guys to be at home. Uh, you know, we want we want this to be an experience that that you enjoy. So so kick your feet up, relax, be home. But make yourself to breathe you're in a high school not church right um not, not i mean it's, it's a church this morning but it's a little bit easier it was for some of you it was a little easier be honest it was a little easier this morning to come to, to church in the school than it was to ch- come to church in church you know what i'm saying like we we know that that's true so uh, we want we want you to make yourselves at home uh, and so this morning we're we're a series called Jesus Is it's a series, it's a three week series we've, we've been in it for the last three weeks the first week we talked about Jesus is my friend, uh, last week we talked about Jesus is God and, and, and today we're going to wrap it up by talking about Jesus' life I can't think of a better day to talk about Jesus' Jesus' life than the day that he came back from the dead to give us life so that's what we're gonna we're gonna talk about this morning. Um, there's a theme verse that we've had for this series. It's, it's in Second Corinthians chapter uh, chapter two, verse one. You can follow along. We've tried to make it as easy as possible for you to, to follow along. For you to participate as much as you can um, on your cell phones. There's an app called the the Version Bible app, and I have put all of today's notes on there so that you can follow along with us. Uh, you're only going to get out out of today what you put into it. Uh, it's just the same, same thing in life. You're only going to get out of life what you put into it. So uh, we ask you to, to participate. Do me a favor. Look at your neighbor and say you look good in your Easter clothes. Yeah, do that. Now look at your second choice and say you look good too, I guess. I guess. You look good too, I guess look good because my wife dressed me this morning. Come on, somebody. Help me out. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, in the message paraphrase, it says, You'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you and let you in on God's master stroke. Jesus was God's master stroke. It was like the greatest thing that he did. He goes on, I didn't impress you with polished speeches or latest philosophies. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First, Jesus who he was, and then Jesus, and what he did, Jesus crucified. And so what this is saying, the writer is saying, is that the story of Jesus is simple, but we tend to make it, more complicated than what it really is we tend to complicate things as human beings i want to give you today i want to talk about jesus's life but in order to talk about jesus's life we have to first talk about jesus's death so i want to give you a few things about jesus's death and then i want to talk about how jesus gives us life as a result of that that's okay the first thing that we see about Jesus' death is it was the perfect sacrifice. If you're taking notes, write that down. If you're not taking notes, write that down. So, um, Jesus' death was perfect sacrifice. It was exactly what God was, was looking for. Some of you guys are still putting that. If you're taking notes, write that down. In order to understand the fact that Jesus' death was the perfect sacrifice, we have to look a little bit at, at at the children of Israel's history. You see, the children of Israel were God's chosen people. He chose them because of this man by the name of Abraham. Abraham was crazy. He he chose because God asked him to to take his son Isaac, who he loved dearly, and he was saying, "God, I love him so much, I, but I love you more. I'm willing to sacrifice my son if that's what you want." And thank God that Abraham didn't have to kill his son Isaac because God asked him to. But he saw that he was willing to obey him. And because Abraham was willing to obey God, he chose his people. He said, Abraham, because you are willing to obey me, I choose your people for all of time. And so that's why the children of Israel are God's chosen people. But then later on, the children of Israel found themselves in this in this place called Egypt. And they were enslaved. They were in slavery in this place called Egypt. And, and so God chose to use this man by the name of Moses to go and get his people out of Egypt. Um, maybe you've heard about him. They wrote a movie about him called The Ten Commandments. Uh, Charlton Heston. Anybody? You you're with me now? Charlton Heston played Moses in, in, in the movie The Ten Commandments. And he went and he got... Uh, he went to stand before Pharaoh, and and Pharaoh said, "I'm not going to let him go." And, and he said, "But God has sent me, and and so God has to send ten plagues, ten terrible, terrible things to happen for for Pharaoh to finally let the people go. And on the tenth plague, because after each plague, he says, oh, "I think I'll let him go." No, just kidding. I'm, <laughs> just kidding. I'm not going to let him go. I really doing a lot of good work around here. So uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna put him to work and no, just kidding. And so finally the tenth plague was this plague known as the Passover. And the, the thing that happened in the Passover is is God said to the to the people of Israel, I want you to take an animal and I want it to be perfect. I want it to be spotless. I want it to be I want it to be perfect and I want you to, to take it and I want you to slaughter it. And then take his blood and spread it over the doorpost. And that's how I'm going to know that you are a part of the children of Israel. Now, keep in mind, this was done in order to judge Egypt, not to judge Israel. It was done in order to judge Egypt. It was done in order to deliver Israel. And so, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, because what's happening is God is foreshadowing what Jesus would do. In 1 Peter 18, verse 20, it says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life that you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver or that will lose their value. It was with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, God chose him as a ransom long before the world began. But now these days, he has been revealed to us for your sake. Ladies and gentlemen, God is foreshadowing what Jesus would do on the cross when he he shed his blood. And he became the perfect lamb for you and for me. Jesus' death was perfect. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering of our sins, so that we could be made right with God through him. Jesus' death was perfect. But you see, many of us, we tend to make it about us. We, we have a tendency to, to think that we have to live a good life that we have to be the one that's perfect. And when, when, when we're good and when we're perfect, then that's when God is pleased. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus did everything that he could to please God. And trust me, that's good news because I've met some of you guys and I know you ain't perfect. I've met myself And I know that I'm not perfect. I can never live up to God's standard of perfection. I can never be good enough. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter how much money I give to the poor. It doesn't matter what I do for you guys, for everybody else. I can never be good enough. And so Jesus' death was perfect. The second thing that we see about it was brutal. Isaiah chapter 52 verse 14. It says, but many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured. He seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know that he was a man. He was beaten so bad. He was beaten so bad for me and for you. Based on the Roman crucifixion, the, the type of crucifixion that Jesus went through. Based upon the history of the Roman, Roman crucifixion, you can it can be said that Jesus' death was the most brutal of all time. You see, the Bible says that he was flogged or he was scorched. He was whipped. And tradition shows that the Romans would whip a, a, a prisoner for 39 times. skilled Roman soldier could wipe the skin off the back of a prisoner with one swipe. And he took 39 of them. And then they placed a crown of thorns on his head in order to mock him and say, you're right, you are the king of the Jews, here is your crown. And he he is nailed to a cross where he would literally have to raise himself up just in order to take a breath his lungs from collapsing every time finally they take his body off the cross the word excruciating was invented to describe the pain of the cross look up the history of the word excruciating it's used to describe, it means out of the cross, literally. It's used to describe the pain that Jesus would feel. It kind of makes you think twice about using the word excruciating ever again, doesn't it? Jesus suffered for me. He suffered for you. And the only, the only thing that could ever cause somebody to go through that someone else is the love that they have for them. No one has ever loved you as much as God loves you. You see, the third thing that we see is that Jesus' death broke the heart of the Father. It broke his, it broke his heart. For just a moment. Of course, every, every, every parent knows. Just imagine, if you're a parent, imagine losing your son or your daughter. Of course, the death of a child would break the heart of a parent. Of course it would. But then you take in the, the fact that the sin of the world was, was on his shoulders. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 46, it says, At about three o'clock, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you, for- why have you abandoned me? Some translations say, Why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned your back on me? And in this moment, ladies and gentlemen, I am 100% certain that we do not know exactly what's going on between Jesus and God. We don't have this figured out. You know why we don't have it figured out? Because we're not God. I can't... People for centuries have tried to figure out exactly what it is that's going on between between Jesus and the Father at this time. How does someone who is God... like? father turned his back on the son that is the part of God, like it, it just doesn't, it, it's hard to understand. But guess what? We don't have to understand it. It's the, the message of Jesus is simple. That he loved us so much that he died in our place, that he rose again on the third day to give us life. That's the good news. And in this moment, we know for certain that it did break the heart of Number four. The fourth thing about Jesus' death Is that it was exactly what God wanted You say, Pastor Adam Why in the world would God want to have his heart broken? You see, the Bible says that all have sinned And come short of the glory of God That you and I, we have sinned And because of that, we broke our relationship with God And when, his, when we broke our relationship with God It broke his heart. But he knew that he had to have his heart broken even more in order to restore our relationship with him. In order to restore the relationship with you and him, he had to to kill his son on a cross in order to pay the sacrifice that we needed, in order to deliver us, he knew that we would a lamb that was perfect. You see, he knew that you and I were in, in, in were, were captivated, just like the children of Israel were. He knew that that we were in slavery, just like the children of, of Israel was in slavery. You see, it's not Pharaoh that has us in slavery; it's our sin that has us in slavery. And because of our sin, because of the wrong things that we do, we can't help but to keep on doing them. And so what he did was he said, you need to be delivered. You need to be delivered from from your sin, from the thing that has you in slavery. So I'm going to send a son. His name is Jesus. He will die a perfect death fact of the matter is, is that we all experience death in some way. Death is real. I've got three types of death for you that you all experience, and that's, this is not including a physical death. That's obvious. But there's three types of death that we all experience. The first one is emotional death. An emotional death. Many of you are experiencing an emotional death right now. What has it, what emotion is it inside of you that makes you feel like you're dead? That makes you feel like you can't live anymore? Maybe it's it's just a simple emotion of depression. Maybe it's the simple emotion of fear. What are you afraid of? What has you feeling dead inside? The the second one is, is a relational death. We all experience relational death. For some of you, it's a parent that you no longer get along with. A relationship that once was alive that's now dead. Maybe for some of you, it's a, it's a relationship with an ex-husband or an ex-wife. It's a relationship, a relationship that we all experience in. in the, but the third one, the third one is the, the saddest one of them all. Because the third type of death that, that, that we all experience is a spiritual death. And we've all experienced a spiritual death. We all have, because the relationship with God was broken. Our relationship with Him is dead, and that's what a spiritual death is—a broken relationship with God. the The fact of the matter is, is some of us will will choose to follow Jesus and choose to accept the resurrection. The resurrected life that He that He offers us, and some of us won't. You see, only Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, only Jesus can resurrect what is dead inside of you. I said, only Jesus can resurrect what's dead inside of you. I'm going to get it out again. I promise. said, only Jesus can resurrect what's dead inside of you. Come on, somebody. And so, Easter isn't about, Easter isn't about Jesus coming out of the grave. Jesus is about making what's dead inside of you alive again. Revelation chapter 1 verse 8 says I am a living one I am the living one I died but look I am alive forever and ever I told I hold the keys of death and the grave this is Jesus speaking He's saying you thought 28 to 3 was a good comeback Come on patriot fans He's saying you thought Tiger Woods had a good comeback last Sunday I am. I. I was dead, and I'm back to life again. It doesn't get much more defeated than death, ladies and gentlemen. But 28 to three got nothing on Jesus. Easter is about realizing that the power, the same power that that rose Jesus from the dead, is the same power that is alive inside of me and inside of you. So I've got just a few things by way of conclusion. Just four things about Jesus' life that he provides for us. The first one is he He provides abundant life, ladies and gentlemen. He provides abundant life. One of my favorite verses is, is John chapter 10 and verse 10. It says the thief's purpose is to steal kill and destroy but I have come that you may have life more more abundantly I've I've come that you may have a rich and satisfying life ladies and gentlemen Jesus wants you to have an abundant life and I know it's kind of it's kind of weird the word abundant when it comes to this to, to talking about life right like like how much oxygen can you really breathe like like the word the word abundant means means to have more to, to have an exceeding amount and so how much oxygen can you really breathe? Like, like if you think about it, it's kind of a, a weird way to describe abundance, to describe uh, life. You see, what I think Jesus is saying is when, you, when I come into your life, I give you enough life to share it with other people. I love the details in, in, in the Bible that, that sometimes we miss. And I, discover, I discovered a, a detail of the Passover this week that I, I haven't really stumbled upon before this. It's found in Exodus chapter 12 in verse 4. And it says, if a family is too small to eat a whole animal. This is talking about the Passover that I just talked about a minute ago. If they're too small to eat a whole, a whole animal, let them share with another family in the neighborhood. Divide the animal according to size of each family and how much they can eat. You see that that animal that was slaughtered at the Passover would be placed in an oven and it would cook so that the family could eat it. What this is saying is that it doesn't like that lamb that's placed in the oven blood that was shed for you and for me, the, the blood that was shed for the, the household of, of, of the Passover, the lamb that gave that blood is enough to share it with other people. In fact, it has to be. It has to be shared with others. You see, God is foreshadowing what Jesus would do. Ladies and gentlemen, the Lamb of God, that is Jesus Christ, is enough to be shared with other people. In fact, he wants you to share life with others. He wants you sh- to share life with each other. That's why we do this thing called small groups at our church. So that so you can open up with each other and so that, so that you can share life with each other. So you can live together and each other, and yet you can live in the freedom that God wants you to live in. If my secrets are the only, if, if I am the only one that knows my secrets, then I'm in trouble. I have to have people that know my secrets. I can find them in a small group. I have men in my life that I give, I tell my secrets to. You don't want to be that person. Promise me. Promise you. You don't want to be that person. We all need somebody to tell our secrets to. We all need somebody to share life with. That's why. That's why we believe in this community. Because, because we do life together. If we don't do life together, then we've messed up. We have to share the abundant life that God offers us through His Son Jesus. Number two is Jesus provides eternal life. He provides eternal life. John chapter three verse sixteen says, "For." God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God wants you to live forever with him. He offers us eternal life. The third thing. Jesus provides a peaceful life. A peaceful life. He provides abundant life, eternal life. In a peaceful life. Ladies and gentlemen. Whatever it is that's going on inside of you right now. That that fear. That depression. Jesus came back from the dead. So that you don't have to feel that way. John chapter 14 verse 27 says. I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind. And heart. And peace. I give. Is a gift that the world cannot give. I love that the fact that Jesus points out the fact that that we will try to find peace in this world, but it is not going to be enough. The world that the that the the peace that the world offers, it won't satisfy the peace that you're looking for. He says, "So don't be troubled, don't be afraid." I want you to know, guys, whatever you're going through came back from the dead so you don't have to the resurrection of Jesus Christ reminds me that just before my breaking point just before I'm ready to give up just before I'm ready to say I'm done So my breakthrough comes. Don't say no. Don't say I give up. Don't wave the white flag today. Keep going. The thing that Jesus came back to give us life is to, to tell you that you can keep going. Finally, number four. Jesus provides a resurrected. see what's dead in your life, it doesn't have to remain dead. Romans chapter 8 verse 11 in the message paraphrases, when God lives and breathes in you, and he does, as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from, de- from the dead life with the spirit living didn't come back. Jesus didn't come to life, sorry. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people alive. And maybe you're here this morning and maybe you feel dead inside. Maybe you feel like on the brink of giving up, I want you to know this morning that you don't have to, because Jesus came back from the dead to show you that you don't have to. So we're doing things a little bit differently today. We, You have in, in your hands a survey. By the way, if, if you didn't receive a survey, um, do me a favor and, and, and just just slip up your hand. We've got people that that want to get you a survey um, they're, they're coming around in the back. Go ahead, ha- raise them high. There's nothing to be ashamed of here at the refuge. There's there's a lot, a lot of a lot of hands up. Make sure that everybody gets one. Our whole team is taking this survey this morning. You don't have to fill out your name. If you want to, but but just fill out the things that like the most important thing is that you fill out the the questions on the front and on the bottom of those surveys, you'll see an A, B, C, and D, and nothing's by them. I want want to explain to you what those A, B, C, and D are for. On On the screen behind me, if you can read, you can see that. If you can't see that because your eyes are like mine, I want to read them for you. A stands for I'm already in a real relationship with Jesus. It's my desire that 100% of the room circles A, but I know that that's probably not the case. Maybe it's B. You would like to begin a real relationship with Jesus today. Maybe some of you need to circle B again, like because you're beginning again a relationship with Jesus. You used to have one. You want that again. Maybe there is a time in your life you could circle B. So you decide you're gonna circle it again. Or C, you don't know yet. You just you're gonna consider it a little longer. Just want to consider it. circle C, I want to, I want to encourage you, consider it in a church, it doesn't have to be the refuge, consider it in a church, like really consider it, maybe it's D, and that is I don't ever intend on making that decision, that's the one that breaks my heart, that's the one that we have to have on there. because the fact of the matter is, is, some of you in this room have made your mind up and you never intend on making that decision. But that's listen, we're not gonna bark on your door, knock on your door, and, and, and beat, beat it down. And we're not gonna do everything we can until you make that decision. You, you said this, but no, you, you, I really don't believe. That's not who we are. We're just going to love you in it. We just want to know where everybody stands. I think that it's important for a church and their community to know where everyone stands. So, if you're here and you circled B, I want you to do me a favor. Could could you bow your heads and close your eyes? Everyone, bow your heads, close your eyes. Maybe you fill it out later on. But you, you circled B. I want to lead you in a prayer right now. Just to tell God, the, the Bible says that if you believe in your heart, that that's enough. But it's by confessing with your mouth that you are made right with God. You see, God wants to hear from you. He wants to hear you say it. So I want to help you. Just say this prayer after me. Say, God, I come before you. And I know that I've done wrong. And I know because I've done wrong, had to die a brutal death. He had to break your heart so that I could be in relationship with you. Come into my life. Save me. Make me new again. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you said that prayer, just circle D. And we would love, we would love to celebrate with you. Would you do me a favor? Would everybody stand to your feet? Would you stand to your feet? We're going to, we're going to put a, we're going to raise a hallelujah this morning. Because of what God has done. If, make sure that you fill out that survey. baskets on your way out. We love you guys. Let's celebrate together. Come on, let's go.